Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Welcome to Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I thought we would talk about our firm for a moment. Our, our, our name of the firm is Wealth Management Group, and we're independent financial advisors uh, affiliated with LPL or Linsco Private Ledger. We have close to 90 years worth of experience helping clients achieve their financial goals. And our clients tend to be uh, individuals, divorcees, families, businesses, and trusts throughout Texas and 15 other states. And in many cases, we help the clients uh, eventually, when they're not here, help to provide a legacy for their loved ones or an institution of their choice after they're no longer here. Um, If you'd like to reach out to us, you could contact us at 832 375 0900. That's 832 375 0900. And then I, I wanted to take most of the show and, and talk about some of the questions that I hear from our clients before their clients. And one of the things that I hear is how do I find a financial advisor? And that's an important question, and I, and I think I would change the question up a little bit um, and make it more relevant for you. I think I would ask, how do I find the right financial advisor? And, and the emphasis is on right, because I think that's the key term. And there's many very good financial advisors out there and many good firms, but they tend to be a little different, and maybe they don't meet your needs. And, and sometimes we have these preconceived notions of exactly what a financial advisor is or, or maybe that they're all the same. And I wanted to tell a story. Uh, many years ago, uh, we had a client that we were speaking with, a potential client, and this person uh, was a commercial pilot. Uh, he had over 40,000 hours worth of flying. And for those people who are familiar with aircraft and flying, I did say 40,000 hours. And for those like myself who are not for, very familiar with flying, 40,000 hours is an incredible amount of hours. And you can have very experienced pilots in three lifetimes not achieve 40,000 flying hours. But what's more important is what it requires to reach those 40,000 hours. It requires dedication, commitment, experience, training, and most importantly, success. Now, this potential client had mentioned that they were looking for financial advisors, but he really wasn't too concerned about it because, after all, most financial advisors were the same. They went through the same training and were licensed. And to some degree, he was correct. And I I thought, instead of explaining how we're different, I thought I'd ask him a question. So I asked him if all pilots were the same. And the answer that I got was a very excuse, very passionate reply of, well, of course not all pilots are the same, and he went into long detail explaining why. 
And um, so now, many, many decades later, uh, this pilot is a client, and he very much understands that not all financial advisors are the same, and also not all pilots are the same. So when we're looking at different financial financial advisors, I, I think one of the key questions you should ask when you're looking to in, in, enlist the help of a financial advisor is, why are you at your current firm, or how did you find your cur- current firm? And there's different reasons people are at different financial firms. Um, some are there because it's the correct fit, and it makes sense, and it's good for the client. And then sometimes we see instances where maybe somebody's there for different reasons. I think when we look at um, maybe sometimes when people have a lot of movement between firms, and you could have three different firms, four different firms. I I think the record I've seen is nine or ten different firms that someone was at in a relatively brief period of time. Now, on the surface, there could be a number of reasons for those changes, and it could make sense. Um, But a little inside baseball in the financial services industries, a lot of times when advisors move firms, they receive a check. And sometimes that check is substantial. And there's nothing wrong with it, and it's done every day. But sometimes that's just part of someone's business plan that every two or three years we make a move and I get a check. And um, I don't know if that's better for the advisor or for the client. And I think in a lot of cases, it's better for the advisor. Our philosophy has always been you do what's best for the client and then the rest takes care of itself. Now, There's a number of firms people can work with, and there's very good firms out there. The way we have structured our firm is a little differently. We're independent financial advisors, and as I mentioned, we have close to 90 years' worth of experience. And the advisors in our firm have made one one move between firms. Uh, And when we did make a move, that was to open up our own practice. Um, and that requires a little bit of, well, it requires a lot of time, effort, and money. And uh, whether you're leasing the building or buying the building, all the op- internal operations are done yourself, and it tends to be a little involved. And in a lot of cases, that seems to make sense for advisors, and it certainly did for us. What, what I think it does is it gives us a vested interest in our firm and, you know, we eat our own cooking, as, as some people say. So I, th- I think it's important when we're looking at advisors to get an idea of why they're at their firm, uh, maybe how, ta- how many times they've made a move and why, and to ask the question, was it really beneficial for your clients or was it beneficial for you? Um, now, sometimes uh, when advisors make a move, and they go to a different firm, and and they receive a substantial check, there's some strings that come along with that. And some of these strings can be you're now required uh, at this new firm to push the proprietary or in-house investments that are there because, after all, they basically bought your business and and you've moved that business over there. And so there can be pressure uh, to push certain investments. Um, there can be incentives 
that maybe sometimes these investments, the advisor is compensated more for these investments. Um, so when you look at maybe I'm pressured to push these investments and I'm being compensated more, again, I, I don't know who that's better for, the advisor in the firm or, or the clients. And I, I think the first question should be, how does this benefit the clients? Um, another thing that can happen, which is kind of odd unless you've been in this scenario, um, sometimes if the advisor doesn't tow the company line, whether it's good for the clients or not, the advisor can be penalized. And sometimes these penalties are, are odd. So uh, most advisors have an office. And um, what tends to happen is the manager will come around and they'll ask, you know, we want you to sell X a number of dollars of this investment or X percentage of your business. And sometimes if there's a little pushback, when you come in next Monday, maybe now you're sharing an office with someone when you had an office by yourself. So maybe that's the, uh, the stick in that um, situation instead of the carrot that we talked about earlier. And then sometimes if you continue on that right on, along those lines that you were sharing an office with someone, well, now you're in a cubicle. And then if you continue along the line of, well, you know, this investment that the firm's pushing really isn't good for my client, next Monday you could come back and find that you don't have an office at all. So when we look at it in whole and look at um, I might be paid more to push this investment, there could be pressure and there could be penalties, um, I think you really have to ask a lot of questions on what's the arrangement that, at that firm and why are you there? And again, how, how is it good for me? Um, the other thing that could happen is sometimes those investments that they're pushing, the cost could be even more. So then what else is available? And um, again, you have to decide if that's good for you or good for the advisor. Um, th the other thing that sometimes tends to happen when people make a lot of changes and they're jumping from firm to firm um, as I said, there's pressure for certain types of investments. Well, sometimes the pressure is we want the majority of our investments on that statement and not investments from outside this firm. So in many cases, when we're talking with new clients and they tell us who they're with and how long they've been there, um, we kind of already know what's on the statement, if you will, because maybe that firm has a history of, uh, you know, we're really going to push these investments and there's incentive and penalties there if that's not done. Um, so, again, I don't know if that's good for the client or not. Um, I, I, th I think the approach that makes more sense for the client, like we do at our firm, um, we're independent and there's open architecture, which means we can choose whatever investments that are available and in many cases, if they're not available, we can go outside the system and, and make those investments available. Um, so we don't have proprietary funds. Uh, we don't have an incentive um, to suggest one firm, excuse me, one investment versus the other uh, because we're not compensated any more or any less. There's not additional cost because we might suggest something we, we truly try to find a solution that's workable for the client and, and then make those suggestions. So um, 
I, I think those are some things you could, should consider when, when you're talking about um, enlisting the helper and an advisor in a firm. And, you know, in looking at it in a little more detail, um, when you drill down about the advisor in the firm, advisors are compensated different ways. And I think it's important to ask how advisors are compensated. And there's a variety of ways that that can be done. And sometimes these combinations make complete sense for the client. And in some cases, they don't. Um, I don't really know if an all-or-nothing approach makes sense. Um, for instance, sometimes uh, when uh, an investment is added to your statement or portfolio, um, maybe there's a transaction cost that's there. And every time there's a buy or a sell, there's a cost. There's a transaction. And um, I, I think decades and decades ago, that was the norm. And it was, and frankly, in some cases, the only possibility. Uh, I've been in an industry a little more than 20 years, and that was pretty much standard practice. Um, when you go back beyond that, that, that was, in some cases, almost the only choice. I, you have other choices now, and, and sometimes they make sense. Um, the other thing that you should look at is the fees that are associated um, with those investments or cost or the type of accounts that you have. So, for instance, if you have a traditional IRA rollover and you have a brokerage account, you could have additional fees for each one of those uh, accounts, and we like to call them nuisance fees. Now, sometimes those fees are there, and you can't make them go away, but uh, I don't think uh, the client uh, should have those fees. So in many cases, when possible, we cover those fees. And um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, you should really be charged a $40 IRA fee and maybe a $80 brokerage fee in addition to whatever other types of cost or fees that might be there. Um, again, we like to refer to those as nuisance fees. And in many cases, the advisor can cover those costs and credit those back, back to the client. So it, it might be something that you want to consider. Um, usually at our firm, uh, what we do is we're fee-based, which means that there's a fee associated with the asset value. And depending on the asset level of the account, uh, we have a fee structure. And I think it puts us on the same side of the table of the client, if you will, that as you prosper, we prosper, and as you suffer, we suffer, which meaning as the account rises, um, yes, we're still charged a certain fee. Um, and as that account rises, then the actual dollars are more. But as you know, when we do have declines in those accounts, which will happen, that the fee is still there, but the overall dollar compensation is reduced. So as again, again, I think it puts us on the same side of the page as our clients. Um, and sometimes there's a combination of those things. So when, when you're interviewing a, an advisor, um, ask those questions and see what the response is. And in a lot of cases, uh, a combination uh, of different types of uh, charges or transaction or fees might make sense. Um, but things have changed, and there's other opportunities available for you. Um, now, um, a lot of times we'll hear um, 
well, I have a 401k at my company and they don't charge um, for me to have my assets there. Or, you know, I have an account with another firm, um, but I'm not charged a fee or transaction because the investment pays the advisor. And I guess that could be the case, but what I think is going on is the advisor hasn't cared enough to explain to you what actually the charges or expenses are and how they're compensated. Because what we find is, in most cases, there are costs and fees associated with it, but um, someone didn't bother to explain that to you. And, and I think transparency uh, is important. And um, the question I would have is, if, if they're not explaining how those internal costs uh, end up on your statement, I, I wonder what else they, they might not be explaining or telling you. Um, the way we would go about it is we would explain to our clients what they own, why they own it, how it works, and how we are compensated. And then I, I think that answers most of the questions the client has, and I think they're a little more comfortable with that situation, understanding that someone volunteered that information and they do it up front and instead of maybe dragging it out or not even answering those questions, and I've, I've never understood that why some people might do that. I, I don't think it's a good practice. And then eventually, um, I don't think it's good for the relationship because it is a relationship. And, and eventually, I think that client leaves that advisor because later they come around and, and find that there are other people available who are willing to explain things so that the clients can make a educated decision and decide what's best for them. I, I think now would be a good point to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue with how to find the right financial advisor. And we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. We're back. This is Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. And we're going to continue with the conversation of how to find the right financial advisor. So let's continue with what happens when an advisor leaves a firm or moves. So we had mentioned uh, a little bit about the different compensation that could be there and maybe some of the benefits of moving and maybe some of the benefits to the advisor and some benefits to the client, and then maybe maybe it's not a benefit to the client. Um, what also tends to happen is there, there could be strings attached. So maybe when we make a move to another firm, uh, generally what happens is you sign a contract to stay with that firm, and it's for a period of time because, after all, they basically have bought the business. And they want an agreement that you're going to stay there for a period of time. And times vary, but 
They tend to be longer amounts of time, and they make it very difficult to leave. So maybe you're in a situation where an advisor recently moved, changed firms, thought it was a good idea for himself or herself and the client, uh, but then they get there and it's not working out. Well, in many cases, they can't leave. Uh, Financially, they can't leave because there'll be penalties. Um, Maybe there'll be a different type of uh, legal actions if they leave, uh, where they can't leave and have their license intact and go to another firm. So it creates a big issue. So um, I, I think it's always a good idea that if someone needs to make a change, for the right reason, they need to be able to make those changes and not say, hey, this is a really bad environment for my client, but I can't leave for the next five years because I'll end up in court and there'll be um, serious financial penalties against me. And I, I don't think that's a good idea or a good place for the clients. Um, when we look at some of the independent firms, such as ourselves. We don't have that situation. Uh, we're not moving anywhere because we have the firm that we've invested our time, effort, and money in. But um, if if we chose to, then we can move firms and there's no strings attached. Uh, it's an open-ended agreement that as long as we do our part and the firm does their part, um, we have a relationship there. But if we choose to, for the right reasons, we can make a move at any time. Um And like I said, it hasn't happened a whole bunch because in all those decades that we've been working with clients, uh, we've made one move, and it was a move to a more open and independent situation. Um, Now, to continue with talking about when your client leaves, sometimes leaving means different things. So um, sometimes the advisor can pass away unexpectedly. Sometimes the advisor could retire. And I think what happens is, in a lot of cases, when you're at uh, what I would call a, a traditional firm and not an independent firm, that person, the advisor passes away unexpected or retires, and the manager runs in the office, has his assistant print out all the client information that stacks up on the desk, and he literally starts ripping off pages and running down the hallway. There's offices on both sides of the hallway, and they run into a broker's office and hurry up and call this person, call this person, call this person. And in many cases, not all, but in many cases, there's no thought with who is the client, who would they be best paired with, and what would be the best working relationship for the client and the advisor. In many cases, it's hurry up and call these persons before they move because after all, the, the advisor that they really cared about passed away unexpectedly or retired, and we need to help retain those assets. And my experience has been there's not a lot of forethought in matching those existing clients up with their new advisors, and, and it's done in a manner that leaves something less than a desirable result. Um, which means the advisor didn't have a succession plan. They didn't have a plan that if something happened to them, that the client is still going to continue to work with an advisor they're familiar with and that they trust and then to know and affirm 
that offers the same, um, which means they can't work with the existing client and also means they're not working with future generations. And to a lot of our clients, that's very important um, to have a succession plan and to be able to work with multiple generations. We have a lot of instances where we're working with second, third, and even fourth generation. So you have a client that's a mature client. They have adult children, their clients also. Their grandchildren are adult clients, and now their grandchildren are having kids, and they're also a client now, maybe through a college fund or some other type of funding. So not only did the client wake up one day and discover that their advisor is no longer there, um, whether they retired or passed away, or um, just decided to go in another line of business, which sometimes is the case, well, then what we run into is um, all those other generations are kind of sitting there wondering, well, what's next? Uh, Mom and Dad brought me into this relationship. It made sense. And now that uh, relationship is gone and clients aren't happy. So the way we have structured the firm is um, that all our advisors are familiar with our clients. They're at each meeting. It's a face-to-face meeting. And the if something should happen unexpectedly or someone retire, we're able to continue that relationship with the original client and then those other generations after that. So part of it is having the people in place, and again, part of it is having the right people in place, because uh, if we just look at things, you have to be able to have the longevity. So uh, if everyone in the firm is 72 years old, I, I don't really understand the plan of working with multiple generations after that. So uh, you need to have experienced people there. But you also need to be able to bridge that gap between those different generations, and, and I think it's very, very important. Um, the interesting thing is when, when you start to search for advisors, you'll find out that even though you've opened up an account and you've transferred your assets there, that you might not have an advisor so the odd thing is, is some firms have a program where, depending on your asset base, you're not assigned an advisor, you're assigned an 800 number. So, which means, uh, the way I look at it is they don't really think you're that important because you don't have a certain asset base, and we're not going to assign you someone that you can be familiar with and develop a relationship and trust with. Um, you have an 800 number, and every time you call, you're going to get a different person. They're not really going to know you. You're not going to know them. Um, and somehow that's supposed to work. Uh, I really don't understand that. You know, it's interesting. I, I think most of us would say if we called in for a takeout order, there's a good chance that that's not going to work out right. We're not going to get what we wanted or our order. So now some firms are expecting people to call an 800 number and map out the rest of their financial security and maybe even future generations with an 800 number. I, I, I don't agree with that. You know, and to take that 800 number a little further, um, I don't think anybody would say, I'm going to build and design a house with some people on an 800 number. Um, I don't think that would be a comfortable relationship. And yet, um, you know, a house is only part of our assets, so the notion of we're going to find all those solutions and remedies 
and relationships on a phone call. I, I just really don't think that's the way to go about it. Um, the way we would go about it is that um, it's a personal relationship. And, and I think if you ask most of our clients um, after they've been working with us for a while, that they'll say it's the most beneficial professional relationship they've ever had and, and the most important. Um, because we think spending time together is important, um, and that means face-to-face. And if you're in Houston or in, you're in Dalhart or in the 15 other states that we work with, we go see every one of those clients face-to-face, uh, at least for an annual meeting, sometimes more often. And then um, the interesting thing is a lot of our clients in other states travel, so we meet them in other states as well. But I, I don't know how you can put something together as important as your financial security and, and in many cases, future generations without having that personal relationship. And that's developed over time, and that's developed in person. Um, now... Um, Sometimes that doesn't happen because the advisor may not be committed to the process, and maybe that's not their life work. Their life's work. Um, it's something that they're doing now, and maybe later they're doing something else. Um, and I mean that's fine. People can make choices to change occupations, and um, you know more power to them. But I, I think when you're looking for an advisor and a firm you need to get the feeling that it's their life's commitment and that they're not doing anything different in the future, um, depending on which way the wind blows. Um, I think it's very important. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue with how to find the right financial advisor. Um, We'll be back in just a minute. Thank you. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. Welcome to Planning for Win, Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Again, if you'd like to get a hold of us later to have a conversation with us, uh, the number is 832-375-0900. That's 832-375-0900. And let's continue with how someone would find the right financial advisor. Um. What we hear from our clients is uh, once they start working with an advisor, whether they're already retired or not, they tend to have a lot of examples and experience with what's going on with their family and friends and their quest to find the right financial advisor. And there's a lot of interesting stories, and a lot of times they find the right advisor, and in some cases they don't. And um, so the conversations and the stories uh, are kind of interesting. So what we tend to hear is that 
uh, in the examples that don't work out right or they haven't found the right person is the notion tends to go something like this. We found somebody, and in looking back, they kind of told us what we wanted to hear. And by that I mean um, they're either uh, retired or about to retire. They walk into someone's office. uh, They spread out the statements. They explain where they're at financially, where they would like to be, what their goals are. And uh, there doesn't tend to be a lot of questions after that from the advisor. And very soon the advisor says, "Uh, that's great. You can do all that. Let's get started. And what tends to happen is a lot of funds are, are taken out um, and they're used for different things, which it's the client's money. They can do what they want. But there really wasn't a plan. And there wasn't a plan to be successful for generations, uh, which, you know, your average person retiring now has to plan for a 30-year retirement. Um, and, and then there's the instances of um, going beyond that in many cases. So I, I think one of the reasons that there's not a lot of questions from those advisors, who, who in my opinion, aren't the correct advisors to be working with, that um, they probably won't be there in the future to answer any of your questions, meaning it wasn't their life's choice, it wasn't what they chose to do, and it's something that they're doing, and um, in three years or five years or eight years, they'll either be somewhere else or not in this industry at all. And that's what I mean by they kind of tell them what they wanted to hear, and that's to get the ball rolling and to open accounts. And sometimes that's not the case, and they find the right advisor, but I, I think when they start to have these short conversations and say everything is perfect, you'll never have a worry again, let's move on. Um, I, I don't know if, if that's really how it should be done. It's kind of like walking into a doctor's office. Um, they're going to, conf- you know, when we go for our annual checkups or whatever it might be, uh, if they're good at what they do, uh, they'll confirm all the good that's there, and they'll say, well, you know, let's work on this so it's not a problem. Let's put this plan in place so we can counter this that's, that's there. Um, so they're, they're giving you an honest assessment of where you are and where you want to be. And on the instances where there's things to work on, which there's almost always things to work on, they outline a plan for that. And that's the way that we would go about it is we confirm all the good and the past effort in your life to get there and the sacrifices that were done. And we congratulate our, congratulate our clients for being at that point in time. But there's going to be things to work on because just like what you experienced in the last 20, 30, 40 years worth of employment, there's going to be things that happen in the future that we need to get ahead of so that there's not a problem because uh, those challenges will be there regardless of your occupation, regardless of your education, and regardless of the asset size that you have, because there's challenges for all of us, and they may be a little different for each one of us, but there's some similarities there. So um, I don't think we need to get too quick to say everything's perfect and you'll never hear another worry. Um, And I wanted to mention this. So, you know, sometimes we literally hear, You'll never have to worry. 
um, well, um, we, we don't want people to worry, but if there's not a plan in place, when we get further down the road, three years, four years, five years, I think the clients get a good understanding of no one mentioned these things that are taking place. No one came up with solutions to help um, with these things that are coming about, and um, we're struggling, and the only thing that this advisor said is, hey, don't worry, everything will be okay. So um, you're, you're going to get um, an assessment of where you are at when it's done correctly and how to maintain your success in the future. And if someone's not giving you those solutions or that plan, then you might want to consider um, having a conversation with someone else. Um, I think another thing that's important when you're looking at an advisor is their background within the industry. What exactly do they do? Because many advisors um, have different types of um, companies, and they provide different options and solutions. And just because someone has a sign on the door, maybe their focus isn't on individuals in retirement, um, which a priority is um, outlining a income during retirement that you can't and won't outlast. Um, not everybody has a business model that supports that, so you need to be sure that you're sitting in the right office. Along those lines of people having different background, they have different uh, education within the industry. And in our industry, there's different credentialing or designations that people might have. You know, you'll see some letters behind their name by chance. And there, there's a whole alphabet soup of different designations or credentialing out there. Some of them are very good. Some of them I don't really um, think should be offered as a solution. Um, but I think to ask about their designation or their credentialing, what they have, why they have it, and why it's important to you. Now, you can find someone who um, is a very good advisor successful for their clients and have been in the industry a very long time, and, and maybe they don't have these letters after their name. Maybe they don't have the credentialing or designation, and that's fine. They could be uh, very competent, um, and I wouldn't disregard someone just because they don't have that credentialing, um, but I think the designations and credentialing add something there, and I think what it means is that that person went beyond what was required. As I mentioned, I've been in the industry 20 years, and in the last 20 years, the industry when I started and the industry today looks, looks nothing alike. Those same old models, I guess they're there, but the opportunities and availability for client solutions has changed to where it's almost unrecognizable. And to the, to the benefit of the client, I might say, it's been a positive change in most cases. So the credentialing or the designation um, lends itself um, to express that the advisor went beyond what was required because we're all licensed, but if we're not keeping up with the changes and we're not receiving an ongoing education, I don't know how you can keep up uh, because it's not required. And um, the designations are important. It gives you education in certain areas that could be important to your clients. 
And it also means that the advisor has to keep up to date. So there's continuing education that goes along with those de uh, designations. And some of them aren't very involved and they don't really require a lot of hours. And some of them uh, require a lot of hours. So I think it's a way that advisors can separate themselves maybe from people who um, in some cases have decided not to remain current or not have expertise in certain areas. So um, doesn't mean that you're in the wrong office if someone doesn't have those letters after their name, but um, if they do, I think it's important to ask what they mean, why they're there, and how it helps you as a client because um, they tend to be specific in expertise. And, you know, as an example, the, the designations that we have are beneficial to our clients moving forward and help to provide solutions to them. So they're specific to the needs that our clients do and might need. Um, and again, um, I, I think it just helps keep the, uh, the advisors relevant and up-to-date um, well, sometimes I hear, um, well, let me back up. Um, I, I think when you're in these advisors office, another thing to ask that's important is how do the advisors find most of their clients? And I think that's an important question to ask. Um, depending on how they find clients, I think is important and it's relevant. And some people might go, well, I, I don't really care how they find clients. Um, you know, I'm concerned about myself. Well, in our situation, uh, there's different ways we find clients, but w one of the ways is through introductions of our existing clients. And I think that says a lot. So it says a lot that our clients um, feel secure enough to offer um, us as an introduction to their friends, to their loved ones, that we have helped them along the way. And if they would like to, we're open for a conversation with them. So they're comfortable with us. And I think it says a lot about their satisfaction with what we do and the relationship that we have. Um, maybe if you run into an advisor that um, doesn't get any introductions from their existing clients, maybe that's something to consider. May not be a bad thing, but it may be something quite telling of, um, you know, uh, sometimes people saying good things about you uh, is helpful and says a lot, and, and we certainly think it's important. Um, and then there's the question, well, as a client, we've asked, potential client, we've asked a lot of the questions. We're comfortable with the advisor that's in front of us, but then we go home and think about it. And the question is, yeah, but how do we really know? And I don't know if I have a good answer for you other than when you know, you know. And some people would call it a gut feeling. Um, some people would just say it just feels right. Um, I just feel comfortable there. And I'll convey a story. When our children were young, we were looking for a pediatrician. So we went around interviewing pediatricians. And I didn't know you did that. So uh, my wife and I went around interviewing pediatricians, and uh, my wife's in the medical field, so she asked most of the questions because, frankly, I didn't understand what the questions were. 
And there were a lot of detailed questions that I didn't understand. But I knew what I was looking for, but I didn't know it until I found it. And one of the questions that my wife asked of our now pediatrician is, you know, if our um, children are in a hospital and they need care from a particular specialist, would, would you be able to also treat our child there? And our pediatrician looked at my wife and said, well, if your child is in that situation, you're going to need someone else's expertise and care. I will be there to help interface with your new doctors to help explain what's going on and try to make sense out of what's going on. And right then, you know, in my mind, I said, okay, bingo, doc, you're it. And I just knew it was the right uh, relationship. And now, 20 years later, you know, we still have that relationship. So it just felt right, and um, we just knew then. And the way I felt right was different than the way my wife felt right. And one's not better than the other. It's just sometimes we get to that feeling different ways. And however you get there, good, but... I think you'll know when you find that right person. Um, what I want to suggest is w- when people are talking about solutions for you and how you come about with providing all those needs that are going to come about, um, even though that a- advisor has expertise in certain areas, they're going to have to surround themselves with other people's expertise. And what I mean by that is, Usually when someone's reached the age when they're retiring and they're building out an income stream and they're talking about what happens when they're not here or when they become sick and ill and other generations, there's other professionals that we're going to have to enlist. And those professionals are family law attorneys, estate planning attorneys, trust specialists, maybe mortgage lending specialists, um, all different types of people who have expertise in certain areas. And I would caution that if someone says, well, I'm that person and I can do that anyway, I I don't know if that much expertise and experience sets in one chair. So I think um, finding the right advisor is important that has expertise that's helpful for you, but that advisor should be surrounding themselves with those other professionals to help answer those questions and needs that are going to come up for you. And I I think if they're saying they're the one-stop solution, then I think they're kidding themselves, uh, they're kidding you and probably lying to themselves. So um, that's something to consider, and I think it's very important that um, you found the right person, congratulations, but but they're going to need other professionals to bring in, and when they do, they should be welcome. Um, and they're going to be needed. So um, not everybody has the answer, and you have to surround your people um, with this different expertise. Um, You know, I wanted to talk about for a moment, um, you know, when you have, hopefully you have the right advisor, and there's some other key things that should be happening to make sure you have the right advisor. So as I mentioned, we have annual meetings at least, once a year, sometimes at different times when needed. But we ask that we're going to meet at least annually with the client. Well, what those meetings look like is we want all parties to be there. So if you're married, we want both spouses to be there, 
okay? If you have a significant other, we want both people to be there. Sometimes there's other family members there when we're talking about transitioning to other generations. Because the important thing is, should something happen to you, your spouse needs to be informed, your significant other needs to be informed, the other generations need to be informed so that they're comfortable with the advisor and they know the plan, they understand the plan, they know what's there, why it's there, and how it works. Because if not, you've developed this relationship and then something happens to you, what tends to happen is the relationship wasn't there with those other people and it kind of falls apart. And then what happens is what you were afraid of happening does. They go elsewhere, they find the wrong advisor, and everything that you worked hard and sacrificed for goes away because we didn't extend that relationship to the rest of your family members or your loved ones. So it's important to do that. And there's many other considerations, but I think those are some key considerations. Um, if you'd like to, we'd love to have a conversation with you and sit down with you at your convenience. Uh, you can always reach out to us at 832-375-0900. That's 832-375-0900. Just ask for Kevin Pinkley. Um, I wanted to thank you for the time to visit with you today. And as I said, you can always reach out to us, and you can always uh, come back and listen to Planning for When. You can join us next month, the last Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m., uh, or you can check us out online at Lone Star Community Radio. Thank you very much. This is Kevin Pinkley at Planning for When, Financial Guidance in Life. Thank you. Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing.